You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Hallelujah. Okay, on Sunday we began to remind ourselves of the necessity to keep watch. Our Lord Jesus said to us, watch and pray lest you fall or you enter into temptation. Temptation is for us to jump and pass. Praise the Lord. It's for us to overcome. We are not to fall or to enter into it. But when we do not watch, the likelihood of entering or falling into it is what happens. And that's why he said to us in Mark thirteen thirty-seven, he says, What I say to you, I say to all. He say, watch, watch. And my prayer and my desire is that you and I will keep watch until the day we see him. Praise the Lord. And then we will not need to watch. We'll just be worshiping and adoring and enjoying him in heaven in Jesus' name. Praise God. And we concluded on Sunday with Revelation. We saw that in Revelation, which is the end of the story, and which is the thing that will surely take place and which we believe is not too far from now, that the Christian was no longer being referred to as born. We're talking now about those who, having been born, ran the race well and did what? And overcame. So we saw that from Revelation 2.7, Revelation 2.11, Revelation 2.17, 2.26, three five, three twelve, and 3.21. The letters to the churches that Jesus would always say, and to him who what? Overcomes. Okay? When the gospel began, it says, unless a man be born again, he cannot see. Unless a man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter. But we are now told at the end that these ones who have been born again must have overcome. Now, if we, after being born again, immediately were, you know, to die, we would immediately go into heaven and that would be the end of the story. But after we are born again, the Bible says, our Lord Jesus speaking, says, as the Father has sent me one, so send I you. And then in the parable of the master that traveled, he said to his servants, do what? Occupy till I come. Praise the Lord. So what we see from there is that at the end of the story, we are going to be asked, did you overcome on this journey? And what are we to overcome? We are to overcome battles. We are to overcome trials. We are to overcome all manner of things. And in Revelation 21 verse 7 where our Lord was speaking, he now declared clearly there. He said to us in that Revelation 21, 7, that he that overcomes shall inherit all things. He that overcomes shall inherit all things. And he says, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Praise the Lord. He that overcomes shall, how many of us want to inherit all things? You know, the inheritance is the final story where you now become a joint heir with Christ and it is reserved for overcomers. Say, I will be an overcomer in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Now, as we go forward this evening, I want us to get something, you know, very important before we move on. The reason we are looking at this is that the Christian, like we said, our Lord Jesus speaking to us, he says, be of good cheer. What have I done? He says, I have overcome the world. You see, and we asked ourselves the question on Sunday where the Bible reminded us that Adam was not deceived. Adam was not deceived. So the woman could say, I was deceived. And you know, when someone is deceived, what happens? What do you feel for the person? You feel sympathy. You feel sympathy. Praise the Lord. You feel sympathy. It's like the child at, you know, six years or let's say eight years that goes to school and then somebody who is in the same class with him, maybe a year or two years older, tricks the child and takes his lunch and, you know, plays tricks on him. You say to the child, hey, yeah, sorry, isn't it? But when you now see the same eight-year-old being, you know, maltreated by a six-year-old, are you going to feel pity for the child? Instead, what will you do? You will even beat the child on top, isn't it? Why? Because I expect that you should, what, be stronger than this child. Or no better than this child, isn't it? That's what the Bible is trying to prove to us. It says, I have overcome the world. Now, I send you out and I expect you to do what? To overcome. Praise the Lord, somebody. And in the scriptures, we have examples. And I want to mention this before we go into details. We're going to look at Nehemiah this evening. And we learn quite a few lessons from him. But Samson, how many of us know Samson? Samson was one of the people who the Bible, you know, gave his story before he was born. This man, because of his birth, the mother herself had to sanctify herself. Not touch, not drink any uh, strong drink. So for those who are still asking whether the Christian should drink or not, it depends on your assignment in life. If you want to fulfill divine purpose then you might begin to understand that a child was to be born and God said to the mother, because of the destiny of this child, you, the mother, not the child, will not touch any strong drink. Are you getting it? Anyway, so Samson's journey and destiny was so prepared by God that he will be unstoppable. But what happened with Samson? Samson, did he fulfill his destiny? He did not fulfill his destiny. Why? We know the story. This man had the anointing to carry the gates of the city on his shoulders. He had the anointing to kill a thousand men. He had the anointing to kill a lion. But his head lying on the laps of Delilah, he told of the secret of his strength. And you see, the Bible is so, is so considerate that knowing we are men and knowing we are the frailty of man, when he tells us some things, it makes us understand that this is something that we could have done. Now, you tell this Delilah the secret of your strength jokingly. And what happens? She tries seriously to disable you. You tell her again the second time, jokingly. She tries seriously to disable you. Doesn't that say that this Samson, something was wrong with his head, isn't it? So this man with such a powerful destiny, you know, made nonsense of it because he was not sensitive. We say to watch is to what? Scrutinize, to observe, okay? To query, to be sensitive. Now, being a walkover, after the first second, even if he was joking, to know that this thing is not a joke, praise the Lord. But you could see that Samson kept on joking with his destiny until they actually cut off his head. 
and look at him. The Bible said he got up and said he will arise as before. But not knowing that, no, you have fallen into temptation. Why? Because she was not watching. Praise the Lord. The lesson we want to learn today is that victory is easy in the name of Jesus. And victory is what? Doable. Jesus says, with God, how many things? All things are possible. You see, I want to disabuse this mentality that being a Christian or living the Christian life, the way God wants it to be lived, is impossible. How can it be impossible if God calls us to it? Praise the Lord. How many of us have set impossible tasks for their children? You have a five-year-old and you tell the five-year-old, I need you to do some algebra for me. Have you ever asked a child to do that? What do you ask a child? What's this? A for what? Apple. You relate to the child according to the ability you know he has. So if God has said to us, he that is born of God overcomes the world, then it simply means that if you and I are genuinely born of God, what should we be doing? We should be overcoming. But if we are not overcoming, it means that there is something wrong, and that is what we are learning. It means that oftentimes we are not watching. Praise the Lord. And when we don't watch, you see, big stones don't trip you when you're running. How many of us jog and do all of that? Big stones don't trip you. It's the little ones because the big one you see it and you avoid it. And that is what is happening in this season. People are relaxing. People are falling back. People are getting themselves into a state of ease. And the Bible says in Amos 6.1, it says, Woe to them who are what? Are at ease in Zion. Many Christians are at ease. They are not the regular programs to keep you, you know, up on your feet. But you must jack up yourself by the back of your neck and say to yourself, you cannot slow down. Praise the Lord. You cannot slow down. I know a bit of, you know, things that are happening in football. And I was telling my daughter, you know, Tochu, I told her that apparently, man, you had been practicing during the coronavirus uh, lockdown. Because the way they started performing and scoring goals, it's possible that somehow they kept their players, you know, on the edge. And other teams probably just got themselves locked down. The same way it is for the Christian. The fact that there is a lockdown, you know, in the economy, in any other area. Let's learn from politicians. Have you been observing what's been happening in politics? They are not even in America. Coronavirus is nothing to them. When politics is involved, everything is being fought. In fact, the reason America's coronavirus case is the way it is, is because of politics. Because these people will put politics above every other thing. You know why? They are politicians. If you're a Christian, then you must put your spirituality above every other thing. And every other thing comes secondary. Praise the Lord, somebody. So, we find something equipped to be unstoppable. But he was not unstoppable. He was stopped. They embarrassed him. They plucked out his eyes. They made him a grinder of pepper. Why? Because he would not watch. But we see another man, Nehemiah. How many of us know Nehemiah? Now, Nehemiah, we don't know his parents. We don't know. He, he didn't have any special ability that we are aware of. All we know about Nehemiah was that he had a burden for the king's glory. How many of us have a burden that the Lord be glorified? You see, there's this song, I think it says, all I want, all I desire is for you to be glorified, is for you to be lifted high. That was all Nehemiah had. He did not have any special, we're not told that he was strong, we're not told that he was exceptionally wise, and his position that we're introduced to him in life was that he was a king's cup bearer. 
That means he was the one that served the king wine. Now, or rather tasted the king's wine before the king, you know, drank it to be sure it wasn't poison. Now, we find that this man was burdened for the glory of the Lord. And when he heard that the walls of Jerusalem were fallen down, he went to God in prayer with a burden. And after he had cried out to the Lord, he found favor before his king, who released him to go and build this wall. Come with me to Nehemiah chapter 4. Let's look at his story and see some things there. I'm going to probably jump a few verses, but I encourage you to please read it, you know, at your time. But I'll read from verse 1. So, but so it happened when Sambalat heard that we are rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, Whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, he will break that. The fox will break down their stone wall. Here, now this is Nehemiah. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Now, this is what is happening here. Nehemiah starts on this job and immediately there is, you know, a confederacy of enemies saying this wall you will not build it. They started with mockery. The first thing they started with was don't even dare. How many of us, when we got born again, the people dare us? I remember a lot of people said to me after two months, we are watching you. Some people said, some actually took bets that you will never, ah, you will soon come back. They will start with mockery. You know, it's psychological warfare. They will say something. Some of them won't even say. They'll just be laughing. And then when they're laughing, the devil will be interpreting that laughter. That who do you think you are? Look at you and all of that. One actually said to me, you're going to be a very poor man. You know, but I don't know how poor I look. Do I look poor? You see, because God does not listen to sinners. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, so they started with mockery. They said, what is this thing you're trying to do? It will never work. And what did Nehemiah respond to? He said, God, see what they're saying. Hear them. And he turned it to God. But look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, so we did what? We built the world. So we built the world. But you see, I want you to come to the last part of verse 6. I wish, you know, I were able to rewrite it. That's the way I would have written. It said, we built the world, the entire world was joined together up to half its side. It says for what? The people had a mind to what? To work. The people had a mind to work. Those who do physical training and, you know, a lot of things that people do. There's a statement they make. They say it's mind over matter. Have you heard that before? Mind over matter. Now, the same thing, what that is saying is this, that there's a battle you fight in your mind. And when you win it, when you step out, matter will adjust to what you have in the mind. What Nehemiah is saying here is this. The people were not waiting for the approval or the encouragement or the applaud. So it didn't matter whether they were laughing at them or they were applauding them. In their minds, what had happened? They had determined to work. And as I was, you know, meditating on this, the Spirit of God said, somebody, your marriage, you have to, some of us already married, those who are going to get into marriage, you have to say this marriage what will work. 
Not because this person is wonderful. Not because I'm wonderful. What, what? This marriage ought to work. And let me answer a question. That is what explains the number or the percentage of divorces and issues in marriages now. Over what people had in the past. In the past, when people got into marriage, they knew it was life sentence. But you see, in this time, when people get into marriage, they've not started signing prenups in Nigeria. But in the West, when people are getting into marriage, they have already signed the doors they can go out with. If it's after two years, this is what we do. If it's after four years, if I'm richer than you, this is what we do. You see, that means that they're entering with a mind to escape. Praise the Lord. But you see, if you get into marriage and if you become a Christian, that is the main you know, application here. When you become a Christian, you must settle it that this Christianity will do what? Will work. That's why nothing else should be paramount to you. Not popularity, not fame, not prosperity, not even health. Because listen to me, people of God. Any other thing that you and I pursue as a goal apart from Jesus The devil can use it and lead us to destruction. Why do you think a lot of false prophets have people attending what they do? Because they claim that they will heal their disease. It meant that those people in desperation and in pursuit of that solution, what do they do? You know, I was speaking to somebody who was going to, um, the one with beard, what's his name? Joshua. And the person said that, that nobody uses clear eye. To go to such a place. So you see, the problem he had had what? Be clouded his eyes. And he was going to a place he knew he shouldn't go. But he wanted a solution. You understand? But when you become a Christian and you have a mind that only Jesus is what you pursue. Then you can say like the old people used to sing. If you take the whole world, I don't mind. Just do what? Give me Jesus. Praise the Lord somebody. That's what it is. They had a mind to work. They didn't have a mind for any other thing. They had a mind to work. And that mind to work is what explained the first part of this verse. We say, so we what? Build. Now, when you look at a lot of people, you know, in their lives and areas of their life, it's not that success was easy. It's that they had a mind to do what? To work. Praise the Lord somebody. Praise Jesus, somebody. So this is what Nehemiah told us. And verse 7 now goes on. It says, now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah, and the Arab, look at the number of people that were against them. The Ammonites, the Ashdodites, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. They became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Now, I want to take something from here. You see, what we said on Sunday, what we began to say on Sunday, is that we are in a war. Oftentimes, this war may be operating or may be waged in a way that you're not conscious of. You're not sensitive to it. But things are happening. The devil does not sleep. Part of his characteristics is that he doesn't sleep. When God asked him, what is he doing? What did he say? He says he's just moving about. He cannot sleep. Now, have you had sleepless night before? If you've had sleepless night, you know that good things come to your mind. Bad things come to your mind. Useless things come to your mind. All kinds of things go in your mind. Now, the devil has time. Praise the Lord. He has plenty of time and he's not letting any of us free. Praise God. He's waging war. And that is what we are told here. I said, when verse 7 says, Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, the Ashdodites, all of them 
conspired together. What were they to do? They conspired together to stop Nehemiah from building the wall. But we had already seen that what? Nehemiah had what? A mind to get this job done. And because when we started, we said, if God be for you, who can be against you? If Jesus Christ has said, I have overcome, and Christ is living in you, then what should be able to stop you from overcoming? Now, but this is what it is. Many of us are shocked when we see obstacles. Many Christians are overwhelmed when challenges come. But you see, when you say the word testimony, it simply means there was a test that was what? Overcome. When you say you have been promoted, it means you passed an examination, isn't it? When you say you have overcome, it means that a challenge came your way. And what did you do? You excelled or you succeeded over that challenge. That is the mind we have to have. Enemies are going to come against us. You want to pray, things will come. How many of us, you know, gist with our friends on the phone in the night and then you don't fall asleep? But pray to God in the night. What happens? Sleep comes. Why? Because when you're gisting with your friend, you see, the devil is happy. Your, your, if it's uh, WhatsApp, your data is going. If it's regular phone, your credit is going. And you're not achieving anything. Okay? But when you're praying to God, you're connecting, you're downloading the counsel of God. Praise the Lord. You're receiving help. The enemy will resist you. Anything that is profitable to you, the enemy will fight it. So you will fall asleep. Are you getting what I'm saying? But when what you're doing is not productive, you want to read your Bible. That's when all kinds of things... How many of us watch movies and then ideas, different things are flying in your head? You enjoy absolute concentration. But when you now want to say, let me now meditate on this verse of the scripture. That's when you remember that uh, they arrested Magu. And then you now remember, why did they even arrest him? Then the mind will tell you, "Ah, that's how they arrested uh, uh, the other person. You are still on one line. Your mind has left. You have gone to Sokoto. From Sokoto, you are now in Ghana. Why? Because you are trying to make progress and the enemy does not want you. Now, what do we see there? Look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, nevertheless, somebody say nevertheless. Nevertheless, we made a prayer to our God. We've been learning here, you know, mentioning here, the importance of prayer. When enemies, when challenges, when troubles, be it spiritual, be it physical, be it emotional, be it financial, whatever it is comes to a Christian, the Bible says what? Be anxious for how many things? A few things. For what? Nothing. Even coronavirus. Don't be anxious about it. But in everything, what do you do? By prayer and supplications, what? With thanksgiving, make your request. The Bible says, Nehemiah said, we are aware. This information we have, they had it. They had it. That these people, now you and I know that they can't really withstand these people. These were peoples existing as nations already around them. They didn't have the capability. But he said, when I realized all this gang up against me, what did I do? He said, nevertheless, we did all. We made our prayer. That's the purpose of watching. Watching is to let you know that an enemy is coming so you can respond rightly. The Bible said to us, fret not, it only causes harm. Do you know why we fret a lot of times? Because we're not watching. When you watch and you see the enemy coming from afar, because that's the purpose of the word, you see what is coming. You're able with a sound mind. You know, the Bible says, I've given you a sound mind. With a sound mind to respond. But when you're not watching, you respond in panic. 
That's when you say, you know, you make confession like, you know, he's finished. He's dead, though. Oh, you. Praise the Lord. Anyway, so because he was watching, he said, we made our prayer. And then he says, because of them, we did what? We set a watch. The Bible says, when the enemy comes against us like a flood, what will happen? It says, the Spirit of the Lord will raise a standard. So it's not the coming against us. That is the issue. Is are you raising a standard? Are you sensitive to God? Are you cooperating with God to the place where you're raising a standard? So you see manifestations. You're feeling things in your body. You're experiencing some things. You're sensing that in this office, they're planning this against you. What do you do? It's not the time to panic. You make your prayers and you raise a standard. Somebody says, so help me God. In the name of Jesus. So that's what happened here. These people were ganging up. And the man said, okay, is that what you're going to do? He called on God and then they said their words. Verse 10, we continued. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing and there's so much rubbish that we're not able to build the wall. Now, this is the people that are on his side. These are his own people. They have begun to become disheartened. And they were beginning to say, this work is going to be very difficult. They are not able. That's what they began to say. And then verse 11, I want you to see the, the enormous problems that Nehemiah had to confront. Verse 11 now goes on and says, And the adversary said, They will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times, From whatever place you turn, they will be upon you. This is the boasting of their enemies. This 12, some translation will let us know. It says, their neighbors, the neighbors of the builders were telling them, this is what we're going to do. Now, verse 13 tells us what Nehemiah is doing. Is Nehemiah, we are learning. Testing says what? Therefore, I position men behind the lower parts of the world, of the openings, and I set the people according to their families, with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders and to the rest of the people. He said, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. And what should you do? And fight for your brethren. Praise God. Fight for your sons. Fight for your daughters. Fight for your wives. Fight for your houses. Praise the Lord, somebody. These are some of the things that you have to meditate on. Do you think that what touches you, touches you alone? No. No. You see, one of the things when I thank God, you know, for my life and the things he does for me, I thank God for the name that my father left us. Imagine, you know, growing up in a place, you know, and they say, what's your name? You say, uh, Johnson and Nanny. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, do you know what it means when a man does right? He leaves a legacy. Even if he's not a superstar, his children can live a normal life. But why would you want to do some things that when you pass, no matter what you do, they say he's the son of that one. That's the thing about this fight. Look at what Nehemiah said. He said, remember the Lord and do what? Fight for your brethren. Look at what is happening with Nigeria. You know, it's as if the more they're finding issues with, you know, Nigerians, the more we're giving them reasons to have issues. It's so embarrassing. And can we blame them? We are giving them reasons. We are trying to get out of uh, the puppy guy. Okay? 
And then now the head of your so-called corruption agency is being charged with such corruption that the puppy guy is actually a puppy. This other guy is a full dog. You see? What do you say when people deride Nigerians? For that alone, I beg every Christian watching me, refuse to be compromised. Walk in integrity for the name of your people. Do you understand? The other day we mentioned yeah, Nigeria is the only country that they read in the news that somebody forgot money and they returned the money to him. It makes headline. It makes headline. When leaders build roads with government money, they are called wonderful. They didn't build with their private money. When I was growing up in my village, most of the roads, individuals were building it with their own money. And nobody was making a big deal out of it. Praise the Lord. Besides, I mean, part of, let, let me mention that. What is excess? When you have enough money, let me ask you. When you have enough money to feed and to clothe and to house and to clear your debts and meet your obligations, what do you think the excess money is for? If you don't understand that situation, you're going to fall into another temptation. Let me just mention this for somebody who this may be for. In Luke 12... In Luke 12, 16 to 23, just take note of it, we won't go into details. There is a story, it's not even a parable, a story of who the Bible calls the rich fool. See, what happened with this man was that the Bible says his harvest, God prospered it, and he had more than enough. Now, this man who had more than enough, all he thought was this, I have what? Become big. So he said, I will tear down my small bands. In essence, he was, was saying, I will increase and enlarge my coast. I will become a bigger boy. I'm going to expand my enjoyment. I will tear down this bar and expand it. And then I will say to myself, so, so, do what? Say, eat, take your ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. Now, if that man knew what you're learning today, when he had the great harvest, you know what he should have done? He should have sat down and said to God, what is this about? Because the passing of that test is that God will lift him higher. The failure of it is that they will call him, oh, come. I'm sure nobody watching wants to be called now. But what am I saying? When God prospers you, because when we are talking about watching against temptation, it's not only adversity. Prosperity is a test. Any wise person watching me will know that. In fact, sometimes there's a a way God will bless me. I will almost be fasting to know, God, what do you want me to do with this? Because the test can come in every way. This man's test came in prosperity. That's why I can't understand people, God, that is blessing you. And then you're becoming more proud. No, blessing should humble you. Blessing should make you more kind. You see, you're working in an office and you become the star boy or the star girl. Everybody's calling your name. You're the universal problem solver in that office. How many of us have that, had that experience? You become a champion in the office. That's the time to walk in humility. Because, you see, anything that lifts you up opens the door for pride. And the only person that travels together with pride is Satan. God does not come with pride. He says he resists the proud and does what? Gives grace to humble. So in your life, once you find yourself in such a situation, ask God, what is this test about? You belong to the church. You have brothers. You have family. You have loved ones. You have people. How should I distribute this increase that you have brought? Shouldn't it increase my faithfulness to you? Shouldn't I come and say thank you? Shouldn't I come and honor you with my first fruit or whatever it is? Shouldn't I come and bring my love offerings and support for the work? These are the things that you're being tested in. Why? Because you had more than enough already. Why is the extra coming? Ask yourself that question. Or is it the time to throw away all your 
non-designer things and upgrade to only design. I was seeing some of the pictures of that puppy guy. I was thinking it was pyjamas he was wearing. So those things are actually expensive. I used to think it was uh, bed sheet and pyjamas. You know those bed sheets used to have, you know, different... I, it looked like pyjamas and... So maybe somebody watching had been trying to upgrade, but you see, some of us don't even notice. Okay, praise the Lord. The greatest beauty you can have upon yourself is the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. And they don't sell that in the market. It's the smile of God upon you. So we're saying here that remember, verse 14, remember the Lord and fight for your brethren. There are some decisions, there are some things you stand against or you stand for, not for yourself. Yeah, he said for your wives, for your sons, for your daughters. Because of this, Nehemiah would not allow this wall not to be built. Verse 15. 15 says, and it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half had the spears, the shields, the bows, and, and wore armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other hand they did what? They held a weapon. That's a man who knows he has enemies. Praise the Lord. That's a man who knows that there is an adversary. He was working, but he was ready for defense. For us, the Bible makes us understand now that the weapons of our warfare are not what? They are not carnal. So now we don't carry spares to defend ourselves. But we are watching spiritually. We are sensitive. We are testing everything to be sure. Is this an attack? Is this a law? Am I being tempted to fall to lower my standard? You know, what is going on here? Is that sensitivity that Nehemiah was telling us here? 18 says, every one of the builders had a sword gathered at his side as a build. And the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. So these people did not stop building. But at the same time, they were ready for the fight. They knew that they had an enemy, but they knew that this work must be what? Done. Verse 19 says, Then I say to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, The work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will do what? Will fight for us. I don't want to push this so that it won't seem as if I want people to come to church physically. But notice here. He said, as we're doing this thing, when you hear the trumpet, what should we do? He said, let's rally together. There is a sense in rallying together. And you may not have to come physically, but are you still fellowshipping with your brethren, even though you're not meeting physically? Do, have you forgotten? Are you just with your television and with your phone and with your, you know, uh, social media things and just losing yourself anywhere? You have a family. Praise the Lord. You have a family. Have you checked on them? Are you sure everybody's all right? Are you even sure they're still praying? Praise the Lord. The Bible makes us understand that two are what? Better than one. And a threefold cord is not what? Easily broken. You must not allow yourself to be detached. He said, when you hear the trumpet, rally together. Praise the Lord, somebody. Verse 21 says, so we labored in the work and half of the men held dispersed from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time also, I said to the people, let each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem that they may be our guard by night and a walking party by day. The last verse, you know, and then we move on from there. The last verse says, so neither I, note here, my brethren, my servants, 
nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. This is physical clothing. Have you taken off your spiritual garb? Praise the Lord. What is your sensitivity? He said, for this task to be accomplished, remember they said to us they had a mind to work. You see, when you are in the know of what it goes, the Bible says in Colossians 1.9, it talks about being filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual word, understanding. You would know that it doesn't matter how the environment appears. Never take off your spiritual guard. You see, never let your guards go down. The wise amongst us, as this lockdown began, we may not be able to have the throne rooms again, the prayer meetings again, and all the other things that people compel you to do. But in that sense, it means that you yourself have to work harder privately. You have to consciously strengthen yourself. If not, you are taking away, or rather taking off your clothing. This man said, we never, we never. And the building was not in one day, it was not in two days. So imagine wearing your, and just washing, and their washing then is not the one who wear one shirt and wash. Water was a big luxury then. But they had to do that because they understood the urgency. They needed to be in a state of preparedness. And that is what the Lord is ministering to us now. He said victory is certain. Victory is certain. But if you sleep, if you fall asleep, how can you know when the enemy takes you by surprise? God forbid none of us will fall asleep in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. So 1 John 4, 1 John chapter 4, he says to us, verse 4, he says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than one, he who is in the world. The Christian has overcome. We have everything that makes for victory. There is no reason for any of us to be overtaken. It should not happen. And like I keep saying, when you read the epistles of Christ, you see that Peter, the apostles and the rest of them, and uh, the apostle Paul inclusive, when these men entered into the flow of what we are trying to enter into, the devil didn't have anything on them. So when people say Paul was a murderer, after he, he encountered Christ, did he murder anybody? Did he insult anybody? You, you don't see that again. Why? Because he now availed himself of the grace that was abundant in Christ Jesus. That is what we are saying. When you and I watch, we avail ourselves of that grace so that what the word says becomes our experience, not our excuse. It becomes our experience. It is possible. Every word of God spoken to us. Let's flip back. First John 2 now. First John 2 verse 12. First John 2 from 12 to, to 14. You see that the Bible covers, it says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men. Why? He said, because you are strong and the word of God will abide in you and you have overcome the wicked one. You see, if provision were made or was made for us to, in this Christian journey, 
to just, you know, struggle and fall and just miss it here and miss it here. And maybe we start, we fail, we never finish well. I would understand if it happens. But when I read the Bible, I see that provision is made. That you will be strong, praise the Lord, in the inner man. That you'll be a victor, that you'll be a, a mighty one. You'll just be five much. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Look at what John is writing. He said, little children, young men, fathers, this is the provision. You are strong. The greater one lives in you. I'm talking about you, sister. I'm talking about you, my brother. I'm talking about you, young girl. I'm talking about you, young boy. I'm talking about you, every one of us. Why? The Bible says, because he that is in us is greater. You don't get up as a Christian and walk around and thinking, who is the devil to the Christian? You know, the big temptation of Jesus that we read about when he had finished fasting 40 days and 40 nights. How did he get the devil out? He said, get behind me. I'm not even sure he shouted it. That's how much authority you and I have. In fact, our own, he says, look at our own. Our own, thank you, Holy Spirit. Our own, you know what he says? He says, submit to God. Resist the devil. And what will happen? So you don't even need to talk. I mean, we should talk. But just look at it. That's how strong the Christian is. So somebody is a young Christian, you're watching me. And there's a situation in your office. Or there's a situation in your personal life. Or friends are mocking you. And you're saying, I don't know if I can make it. No, submit to God. Tell the devil, the one who is inside of me is greater than you. I will not fall, I will not fail, I will not compromise. It's not negotiable. I'm a victor. What is that mountain we refer to? Before Zerubbabel, it shall be made a plain. What is that temptation? For the young people, it's sexual, isn't it? Listen to me. When you catch a revelation of who you are in God, and the grace of God, and the pleasure God has in you, you will know that those things, there is nothing the devil can bring away. Praise the Lord. And for those of us that are Nigerians, let me beg every Christian in Nigeria watching. This is what our problem is. We don't have people that look at all these things and count it as dung. All the attractions, all the offers that the world is throwing to us. We don't have champions. You know what it means to be a champion? Listen, maybe the story of Goliath and David will help us. Goliath said to the army of Israel, the whole nation does not need to go to war. All these soldiers here, you don't need to go to war. The ones behind me don't need to go to war. Just bring one man. If I fight with him and he defeats me, you see all these people, they will just bow and serve you. But if I defeat him, you bow and serve him. Do you know that every one of us is anointed to be a champion? When you look at your life, I beg you, Nehemiah said, fight for your brethren. I want to beg every Christian watching, remember the church of Nigeria. Remember the Christian faith. Remember your local assembly. You see, I look forward to when I will, in this nation, hear the newspapers carry the story of somebody and then they will mention his story. That's why I can never cease to appreciate the Lord for the testimony of Leah Sharibu. I think she's about the greatest witness we've ever had in Nigeria. But you're sitting in a high office, maybe a minister, whoever you are. When that whole situation, maybe the vice president, whatever. When you look at that whole situation, think that you can be a champion for the faith. By the choice you take. Or by the choice or the option you refuse to take. That's what the Bible is teaching us here. And we are anointed for that. We are empowered for that. 
And what about exploits? Do you know that more than you would ever know, God wants to be made known? Do you know that? God wants to be made known. The only thing now is this. The inanimate part of creation is already declaring his glory. It says the heavens and the earth will declare the glory of the Lord and the firmament his handiworks. Okay? But the people of the world are not hearing it. So you know who is waiting for now. Jesus now says, you are salt and light. He says, I've chosen you as ambassadors that you go and diffuse the fragrance of Christ everywhere. So when you look at your battles, when you look at the challenges you face, when you look at the prosperity that is trying to douse your love or whatever it is, whichever angle or adversity, remember that you can be a champion for the faith. Praise the Lord, somebody. Remember that as that teenager, you can be that teenager that when your story is told, it will shame the devil in that environment. They say, oh, no, no. Ah, Do you know what children are doing these days? Tell them that you're a child of God. Is somebody understanding what I'm saying? Tell them you're different. You're carrying an anointing. And not because the temptation didn't come. Not because the trial didn't come. No, because you know what is at stake. You want to finish and hear the master say, well done. Well done. Many people have lived and died for approvals of men, of institutions, of organizations. You know that. But the one that you need is approval is the Lord of Lords. The King of Kings. The one of the increase of whose government. There shall be no end. His name is Jesus. Praise the Lord. When you fall in favor with him, you remain favored for everlasting life. Do you understand what I'm talking about? When Jesus says to you, well done, what does he say? He says, enter into my joy. And that joy is everlasting joy. Let's bow our heads as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you because you have made provision for me. Yes, there are battles that I'm to fight. Enemies are going to come against me. But you have made sure that you have given me all that it takes to overcome. You said to me that greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. You have said to me concerning every situation, call on me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which were not known. You have said to me that you won't even allow me in all this that we're saying. I won't even allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But with every temptation, I'm going to make a way of escape for you. You have said to me that you have gone ahead of me. You have actually overcome the world. And you're just asking me to walk in your path. You have said to me that there is a great future waiting for me. You have said to me that you were on my side. And you said, if God be for you, who can be against you? You have called me an overcomer. You have given me your spirit. You have assured me that your angels are ministering spirits unto me. You have assured me that heaven and earth will pass away, but not a jot, a title of your word will go unfulfilled. You have assured me that you are my God, and you will remain my God even from everlasting to everlasting. So why should I expect to fail? Why should I make provision for failure? So now I say yes to you, Lord. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. Like Nehemiah, I have a mind to walk with you. Lord, I have a mind to serve you. I have a mind to be a champion. I don't know about you, but my desire is to be a champion for Christ. I don't have to be in the limelight. It can be my secret place. Somebody's watching, you're just a housewife, but it can be a champion in that home. And those children will know that we know a Christian somewhere. A lot of people have read stories of great evangelists 
who what made them what they became was some father, some grandfather, some grandmother who exhibited the totality of the Christian life, albeit in obscurity. Nobody knows them, but somebody saw their light and connected to it. Lord, I want to be a champion for you. The champion wins battles, not just for himself, but for his brethren. For his church, for his brothers, for his sisters, for his wife, for his sons, for his daughters. Lord, I receive the grace to overcome. I will watch. I will not sleep. Because I know victory is certain. Thank you, my father. Thank you, my God. Lord, will give you praise. And let us pray for Nigeria. That God will find champions for the faith. That as our public servants, as Christians, enter into public offices. That they will not get carried away. They will not start saying different things. They will not change their language. Let them remain resolute. Let them remain strengthened. Let's pray for an anointing to come upon every child of God. Occupying one post in this nation. Whether it is high or low. Even the driver. That the Lord will anoint the believers in this nation. That our light will shine. And that the name of the Lord will be glorified through us. Thank you our Father. Thank you our God. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ikina Okeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. God bless you.